you guys ready up there? Hi and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella, I'm a Women in Film and Television board member and I'm also a producer at Jumper Productions and Tile Media. Our newest sponsor, Windmill Lane, helps storytellers to express their stories through post, VFX, audio and creative partnerships. Earlier this year, I spoke with Head of Production at Windmill Lane, Deborah Doherty, about the industry, her impressive career to date and all things post-production. I think maybe I'm just going to get you to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about yourself, your role at Windmill and uh, a bit about Windmill as well. Thanks Fiona and thanks thanks for Women in Film for having me today. Um, I'm Deborah Doherty, I'm the head of production for Windmill Lane Pictures. For any of you who don't know, Windmill Lane Pictures were, were Ireland's longest established post-production visual effects house content creation we look after all aspects of post-production and visual effects from early onset supervision right through to audio, colour grading. My role specifically as head of post-production is managing our teams of talented staff and kind of overseeing everything from bringing in new business to making sure kind of the projects are coming in on time, on budgets delivered to the highest standards. That's kind of, that's the short version. I'm in Windmill 18 years this year, which is really hard to believe. It flies by. <laughs> I know, terrifying. <laughs> um, so do you want to maybe, uh, for some of the people breaking into the industry as well, maybe talk a little bit about how you got into the industry? Yeah, like I think I've always I've always had an interest in this industry. I've always been so passionate. I had family in the industry. I came from a house full of movie lovers, editor of a school magazine when I was younger. I um, I did a degree at the University of Leeds, which was a very broad media degree. But one of the things that it really focused on was the work experience side of it, the getting the hands-on experience, which I just found so beneficial. Like from the ages of 18, 19, 20, I did work experience in Windmill, in Screen Scene, in 98 FM, then did six, eight weeks in London, in BBC, in ITN News. Got some fantastic hands-on experience that really cemented my interest in this industry. I then moved on when I finished my degree. I did. Um, I worked in a radio station for a while in Leeds, a marketing agency in Leeds, then moved to London and did two years working for a post-production studio in London, um, which did a lot of work with the record labels. So it was really interesting, kind of the client service side of it. And then I moved to Windmill in 2005. So it was a fantastic opportunity, kind of, it was kind of half moving back home. I'm from the North Coast originally, so you're getting back in. But Windmill at the time, was a company with such a good reputation you know it was an amazing opportunity to kind of get a job working specifically I was at the time for the audio studios so I was 14 years just working for number four it was an it was set up kind of primarily in 1998 doing um the audio side of things for Windmill and I loved that it was so interesting you were doing everything from kind of commercial work to a little bit of helping with casting Paddy Gibbons who set it up was just this incredible mentor in terms of client service and looking after the staff and taking the team under the wing. But we grew that team from four staff to up to about 22 a few years ago in audio specifically, which was an amazing kind of feat going into all aspects of audio. And then I moved to the picture side about four years ago. So producing kind of film and TV projects, commercials and joined the management team. And then in the last year, heavily involved with the VFX side of things as well. So it's been a lot of change. It's great. So no you two days ever the same. <laughs> 
that's mad I would never have thought that there was 22 people involved in the sound but but I guess I just see number four from the bit from you your desk yeah. I guess and the, the studios yeah we're down, we're down to about there's 10 staff in audio now and that's enough you know we used to kind of do an awful lot of animation work which has kind of calmed down a bit it's much more film and tv commercials and broadcast work now in audio it's yeah it's a great yeah. team um uh do you want to you kind of covered the the history of number four there but do you want to talk about i mean windmill lane is really an institution uh do you want to talk a little bit about the background of that and the history yeah it's, it's we're 45 years in business this year which is amazing so it was established in 1978 by james morris uh Myrt, Myrt avis ross russell and brian masterson so they kind of set it up in 1978 primarily as an editorial house for commercials it kind of then just went from strength to strength throughout the 80s and 90s. It uh, it became Ireland's first and largest re music recording studio, which that's what it's known for, like all setting up the bands and U2 recording all the albums and Springsteen and Van Morrison through the doors. Then it went on and set up the mill in London. TV was involved with setting up TV3. It had offices in LA. Then number four, obviously, set up in 1998. Then from sort of 2000, heavily involved with... Steve Soderbergh and huge all the directors Jim Sheridan and Neil Neil Jordan all of the guys and from the v, from the VFX perspective we set up Ireland's first visual effects facility which worked had about sixty staff working on Luke Besson's Lockout movie. Oh, it was really really interesting. That was a separate facility out in Sandyford. So yeah, that's it's had a lot a lot of changes over the years, but it's so we're currently now at around the seventy staff. And do you know offhand, I was probably jumping into this a little bit earlier than we thought, what's the kind of ratio there between men and women, do you think, in there, in terms of? It's growing. It's, you know, yeah. as, as this industry in general, it can do better. But we're about 30% now, 30% female staff, which for, for an industry that was very, very male dominated, that it's not it's not bad. And about 8% yeah. 8, 8 of staff that all work part time as well, which is a great you know, it's a, it's a great help for people coming into the industry to know that these roles are an option now that they mightn't have been even pre-COVID or in the past with this industry. Um, it's will we jump into that now a bit because we were we were talking about that. So it's thirty percent, right? Um, and I think when you and I kind of started, we started in the industry more or less around the same time, and it was very male dominated. So we are moving in the right direction. What kind of steps do you think Wimmel has taken at the moment or what kind of changes have you seen there since, since you, you came on board that have helped kind of change that or swing it around a bit? I, I think, Fiona, you know, as you said, you know, 20 years, you know, 18, 20 years ago, it was predominantly a lot of kind of men on management boards. Like right now, there's two females, two female working mothers in their 40s on the management team in Windmill, which is fantastic. You know, we're part of the day to day decision making process the team is growing and I think there are more females now going into creative roles where traditionally they would have been only in production or only in accounts it's fantastic like right before Christmas we've just hired you know a female creative in the audio department in the motion design department several of our VFX, VFX staff are all female so it is growing the industry in general and windmill has a lot more to do but I think the hybrid work model that COVID has forced upon us very quickly has hugely increased the opportunity that females can apply for these roles. And in the past, they'd have gone, no, I have commitments or I, I need reduced hours or I need. It's kind of allowing like to us at the moment in Windmill, if we're hiring the right people to do the job and they can do it, 
I've no problem if the people need to kind of reduce their hours to look after an elderly parent or pick a child up from school, providing the job is getting done and a client is happy. It's it's brilliant. You know, like these things are working out fantastically. Whereas a few years ago, people were very much tied to a desk, tied to those working hours that has changed. And also working remotely. Our VFX producers based in Dingle, we've got staff remoting in from different parts of Ireland. The, that hybrid model that allows people to kind of work together and I think support each other. We formed um, a few years ago, we formed the production hub. So very much windmill in the past was quite silo driven. It was mm -hmm. quite, you know, audio, the audio, the commercial division, film and TV and visual effects were all being run quite separately. And we formed the production hub, which the producers and other parts of the company all seem to work together a lot more. And you've got more awareness of each other's projects. And in turn, that kind of provides a lot of support for each other, which I think is really helping kind of females in general enter the industry and, and stay in it. Getting into it is one thing, but staying there once you're in, especially after having kids, I find definitely yeah. it's, it's, you know, we're, we're heading the right direction. Definitely. No, that's great. And like, can you explain a bit, what is the production hub and how does it work in, in Windmill? It's our team of producers. It's, it's okay. that's primarily our team of, you know, there's, there's 10, 12 producers now who kind of work together. Yes, people very much of their specialist areas in visual effects and audio, film and TV and commercials. But they used to be based in four completely different parts of this building. We've yeah. got one hub now where everybody is based together, open plan office. You've got much more awareness of each other's projects, jobs, the teams that are working on them. You know when people can kind of come off a project onto another one, providing the client is getting what they need and the team have got the support that I think in the past it didn't not that it didn't exist, but it's it's certainly it's evolving, which is great. That's mad. It's like it's such a simple idea, but um, and it's kind of a no brainer once it's put in practice. But and and how does that work when you're working remotely when you're not in the open plan office? Is it is it how is it extended out to online? It's it's pure, you know, that's Zoom calls, it's communication, it's a lot of hangout chats, it's a lot of kind of just making sure that everybody's included and part of conversations and part of the awareness of what's going on in the audio studios, what's going on in visual effects, what's, you know, what a deadline is and what's a priority, who's coming into the building to get looked after and stuff this week, things like that. And um, do just do you want to go back and talk a little bit as well about the structure in Windmill and the services that you're providing now? Just what kind of projects you're working on and where the focus is at the moment? Yeah, like as I said before, we're, we're full, full service post-production and visual effects. So we can do a slice of a project or we can do the whole thing. And there's many projects that are going through every aspect, every part of Windmill. There's dramas that are going through at present. There's others that are just doing visual effects or just doing audio, just coming through our motion design department, things like that. So we have... We, the earlier I feel that we can get involved in a project, the better. It can help our clients. It can help budgets. It can help everything from onset supervision to kind of process and dailies, grading, audio, color, you know, every, everything that we do, every process of, and we've got this amazing sort of production department I mentioned that handhold the project right the way through, which is great. Okay. And I know that there's a lot of NDAs and things and your your hands are held, but can you talk a little bit about some of the projects? Yeah, we've got a few, like there's a few amazing projects. We've just wrapped and delivered um, the, the final episode of the third season of Smother. So I don't think the air dates have been announced yet. So it's going to be fantastic to see Smother season three on air coming up. Um, we're in the throes of Kin season two. So it'll be great to see where that's going. We've got two large scale VFX projects that I am NDA'd on and two beautiful animations. Um, that as soon as I can shout about those, I will. Um, there's uh, The Problem with People, which is a great new film, which is Paul Reiser and Chris Cottam. It's Colomini's new film, um, oh. The Last Rifleman. 
And then we're yeah. working on Lady Gregory, which looks great, and yeah. a few other projects that are, are, are going out to broadcast. So yeah, that's 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 the, the current slate of work that's going on. Um, we've also delivered um, full VFX for Wendland Wild, which was Henry Selleck's new movie, um, which we're hoping is going to get tipped for an Oscar for Best Animation coming up in the next while. We did a lot of visual effects work on that. So it's a, it's a huge combination of like indigenous Irish uh, films and and TV, and also you're doing a lot of international work as well, which yeah, is very, great. Very much so, yeah. Which is it's great, you know. It's it's no longer an Irish production. Like most of our even our Irish clients are delivering to an international broadcaster. So suddenly our level of work that we were doing a few years ago has upped its game. Like things like we've we've just applied and just been awarded our TPN accreditation, which is your trusted partner network. So security is at the forefront of so many of our clients' kind of minds to make sure that we're you know we're able to kind of deliver what they need. But when you're working with even the Irish clients now, they need you to kind of have the you know have those accreditations, be able to deliver to the international broadcasters. You're dealing with UK and US broadcasters, even for the Irish things. It's no longer just going to an Irish network. It goes much further than that. That's great. I and I think um I it's brilliant the way that the Irish industry overall is looking outwards now. And I think um that's probably a combination of of how finance happens and the broadcasters have to work with other production partners as well. But I also think um particularly maybe around VFX and animation, it's to do with uh the companies like yourselves. Um and like the VFX industry at the moment in Ireland, you've all kind of come together to create like an industry. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it's been amazing. The last the last 12 months, especially, you know, we've had a few reiterations of visual effects here in Windmill. And at the moment, it's booming. It's fantastic. It's, it's We've had a fantastic last 12 months. And I think what's happening in Windmill and in Ireland is really echoing what's going on globally. Like the demand for content is huge anyway. Look at all the streamers, you know, Netflix and Amazon were already well established, but in the last year or two, there's Paramount and Hulu and all of those additional broadcasters that we've got to keep up with content for. And I think what COVID has kind of allowed is that they don't think twice anymore. When we've got talented staff and people who are able to do the job and there's a good tax break, what it allows is those US broadcasters don't think twice about farming and awarding work to people in the UK, in Canada, in other parts of Europe. And Ireland's now part of that. It was, you know, it's, it's an amazing opportunity that we are now on the map with the talented staff we have and the work we're doing. It, it puts us in a league that you're now allowed to compete for international work that in the past you might have been able for, you might have had to be on the ground in LA to be able to do the work for Netflix, for Paramount, for, for Disney. And, and things are different now, which is great. And did um do you work with the other kind of uh, VFX companies like the the Pranabars, uh, Absolutely, yeah. So the so the five companies in Dublin formed Visual Effects Association of Ireland. So they've worked together as a body to lobby government for four eight one funding, educational bodies to run courses together. So last year in particular, they attended. Um, we attended an event in LA that Screen Ireland were involved with. So all five of the companies attended in the IMAX in LA and showcased a reel of the five companies work together. And I don't know if I've ever felt more proud in all the years looking at going, this is what Ireland has to offer. This puts us on the map. And you're in a room with kind of VFX royalty. There was Kevin Bailey and Richie Bainham and those guys that won the Oscars for Avatar. Looking at that work, we're on, we're on a league with the companies now in London, in LA, and it's fantastic to see Ireland being able to do that. Like we're slightly, hopefully we're the animation industry in Ireland where 
10, 15 years ago, where the few hundred staff were hopefully growing and heading that direction. And like the demand for content isn't slowing down anytime soon, which is which is great. And, and the talented staff that are coming on board now, we've hired some great people this year that are able to, you know, the work then speaks for itself. So it's great. Um, just coming back to staff and crewing up, do you find, is it, are you recruiting in Ireland or do you have to look overseas? Because you, you like mentioned earlier on about talking to uh, education uh, bodies as well about courses, but do you want to talk about that? Yeah, like, you know, obviously as much of our staff that can be in Ireland, that keeps them eligible yeah. for 1 and things like that as possible, you know, that, that can kind of be hybrid between coming into Windmill and working from home. But yeah, we absolutely, what COVID has allowed is that we've broadened our horizons. We have artists that do remote in from other parts of, of Europe, of you know, parts of the States and other places. And that just allows us to kind of broaden our team. If we need to do some creature work on a VFX project, if we've got audio that we know there's a specialist person somewhere else, I think pre-COVID that was much more difficult. We've broadened our kind of our horizons of the people we work with and broadened our kind of talent search. We've had a HR manager who's joined us this year and she's been a fantastic addition to the team to broaden the work we do, to broaden the talent base that we can reach out to, to come on board and kind of work with us. That's great. I mean, you kind of, you started in your new, new role relatively easy, recently. Is it like a year, two years now? Well, yeah, but a year and a half now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, no two days, as I said, are certainly ever the same. It's, it's, and it's, it's, it's an industry, it's a company that you would never be bored working here. That, you know, there's so many different projects going through, so many different people. So I'm in the role about 18 months now, kind of ahead of production across the facility, as opposed to just focusing on just the audio side of things. Or So it's uh, it's been really interesting, definitely. Uh, um, and you've been to LA and you've, what, what other kind of things have you been doing? We did, we did, I did two trips to LA last year, which was amazing. Like I've, I've loved all over the years. Like I've always been involved with kind of, seeing our, our team's work on the big screen. I've loved attending the film festivals, going to, you know, to the Dublin International Film Festival, going to Galway, going to Kinsale, seeing, you know, I loved watching Papi Chulo and Handsome Devil and Maze and these features we worked on and seeing our team's work come together. And, the you know, seeing it with the actors in the room, the rounds of applause, it's been amazing. So the last 12 months have been thrown in, like I attended a beautiful dinner in the embassy in London before Christmas there, which was really showcasing Irish drama, looking around the room and seeing the work that they're doing. The two trips to LA last year were great. The first one was very much focused on, we were meeting some current clients, but it was the Oscar Wilde Awards, which was really good to see the Irish in Hollywood, the Irish that are over there. And then I attended the Woman in Film pre-Oscar party, it was fantastic. And the second one was really focused around that Ireland week and that visual effects association of Ireland, seeing the companies come together over there. So it's been, it's been an amazing 12 months and we're back again then in a few weeks time, actually in about eight weeks now, and we're sponsoring the Oscar Wilds this year. So it'll be great to see the likes of Jesse Buckley, I think, and Kerry Condon are being honored as two of the people that are getting the awards this year. So. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you, you're a mother, you've got two kids. So how do you kind of manage that work-life balance? Particularly, I, I think, you know, you're working with Americans, you're working with uh, people based in LA. Um, how do you manage that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's, you know, it's a struggle. As, as every working mother knows, you know, there is, there's a lot, there's a, there's a lot to it. You're, you're constantly on the go. Like I think companies being more flexible now and, and the team of support that we have here, I do a school drop-off in the morning. I start my day, Kind of you know i'll do i'll check in in the mornings but 
I do a school drop and get into windmill most days, 9.30, 9.45, 10 o'clock. And then it means if I need to do some late calls to the American clients, things like that. Like I'm very fortunate to go, I have a supportive partner. My husband, our personal story is my husband lost his job during COVID around the time I was due to come back after maternity leave with our second. And maternity leave's not easy. Life's turned on its head. You don't know, you kind of forget if you're coming and going, you've got small kids settling into crash. It was a really difficult time and he lost his job. And I, we, cho- we chose as a family to say, he's going to take a year out. He'll give me a chance to settle in. And we kind of realized that two parents work in long hours with small kids and crash fees. So he took the time out and he's then retrained now as a special needs, special education needs teacher. So he's working in a primary school, which he is loving the new career after, you know, 17 years in sales. But it also means that he's around in the afternoons. He can pick the kids up. He's supportive when I have to travel. It's both the home life and a really supportive team here in Windmill that know that if you've got the right person doing the job, there's support to cover for each other. And you know when to team up with the right person or when to put your hands up and say, I need a couple of hours now or my kids, you know, it's 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 tricky, but it's, you know, the work-life balance is so important because I personally feel like I could have said no to a promotion. I could have insisted on part-time hours, but I think you've had to push yourself a little bit more than you mightn't have had to do if you're a man in the industry. You mightn't have had to do that. Whereas I think I have, and it's and I've been very fortunate that I think gender hasn't been a barrier to to my progression or my work because I've had a great team of people and support in windmill and at home. So yeah, you're constantly surrounded by people, little small kids as soon as you get home in the evening, but they they understand. And it's I, th- I think me working on the My Little Pony movie was the best <laughs> thing ever to happen in my home house and all those songs on repeat and a six-year-old so excited to know that our team was on the credits and things for that. <laughs> that's brilliant. Actually, for a six-year-old going into school, that's it. Definitely. His teacher actually took me aside to say, I think he's making up stuff. He's telling everybody <laughs> in the class that you worked on My Little Pony. I'm like, no, we did. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> and... um. Do you, like, do you honest, because I, I think we've we've spoken about this before, like I, I never really saw that my gender was an issue until it's kind of pointed out afterwards. You kind of think, oh, OK, maybe it has been an issue. And you just yeah. uh, uh, do you do you find that maybe sometimes that uh, sometimes I'd like to think it isn't. And as I said, yeah. I'd like to think it hasn't been a barrier. But of course, you've been sitting in meetings or you're looking around a room going, I'm the only female here. I'm the only person that. You know, I'm the only like, you know, there's number four at one point. There's a photograph, I think, of us all outside the building and it's me with about 17 men. You don't think about it or you're in you're in these meetings. And I'd like to think it's not an issue, but it's working on your own confidence. As I said, it's, it's saying yes to more things. It's mm-hmm. that a few years ago, I'd have gone, no, I don't want to do that. Or you'd be shyer or you'd go, I can't travel to the States for a week. I've got small kids. I can't. Well, you can, you know, it's, it's about having the support to make these things happen. I do think I've probably had to work on my own confidence and things to do that. I did an amazing course the year before last um, that was through Animation Skills Net on creative leadership. There's an amazing tutor called Fiona Flynn from Montauk Consulting and Stephen Fagan from Studio Mala. You met these amazing people on that course who a lot of them were working mothers or who were doing hybrid hours or some of them who were kind of in between jobs. And you realize a lot of people are in this boat. So the more support and the more normal we can make kind of saying yes to things and pushing yourself and support the better, I think, anyway. Yeah. And I think you're right about having that support. And I think as well, and we spoke about this ahead of this as well, is 
that when you put women in the management roles as well, that that kind of that kind of accelerates the shift, I would hope. Do you yeah, think that? I would certainly hope so. You know, we've got an amazing team of people, I think, here that are just we're making decisions and you're moving forward and you want Windmill to be that place that attracts good talent. And they're not all that talent, as, as we said, mightn't have been available to apply for roles in the past based on circumstances. So you want the talent to be attracted to come and work here to do the best work that the clients in turn want to bring their projects. So that's that can, you know, that can only be done by making progressive changes through the years. It's it's windmill's always been very progressive in its hiring and policies across the board, but it can always do better. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it, it probably starts with at stopping yourself and asking the question, right? Is this could as simple as could a woman do this job when a man's name like I think I'm getting to that stage as well that you're kind of when suggestions are made you kind of question well I think we could do better couldn't we (laughs) it's that unconscious bias you know it's that stuff and going well who is the right person for this job but you know it's great to see more females applying and it's great to see kind of more females coming into creative roles where, you know, as I said, we're traditionally, they were just the producers or just, you know, and the accountants, which are all fantastic. And, but it, it's great to see kind of the, the balance starting to shift a little bit. Yeah. Do you, um, this is actually getting into a technical sort of thing. So, so do you still have uh, re- online or editors working in there or do you normally kind of, are they? Free? You know what, we're, de- we're down to one. Lee Hickey's okay. with us, he'll kill me for saying this. I think he's with oh. us 25, 26 years this year, 28 years, I think it is. So he's predominantly a commercials editor. Um, you found more and more projects that have come to us bring their own editors. So yeah. we have an amazing team of um, our kind of assistant editors and we've got 10 edit suites, but more and more projects bring their own. So we provide the machines, the equipment, the room, the assistant editor and most feature and drama projects and documentary editors bring in we've had Brenda Morris he's been working with us for the last while we've had a lot of editors in and out that work from windmill and use it as a base but they are tend to be supplied by the client rather than windmill directly themselves but we have as I said we've got this talented database of people that come and work with us and a collaboration with us as opposed to being on staff anymore I think you know I think windmill used to have a huge amount of of editors but I'm not sure any of the facilities do anymore I think that it's kind of I think that's brilliant, though, because I think it's it, it um, being able to use freelance opens up the creative team and the types of people that you can have on each project. And I think do you think there's an increase in the number of uh, women editors? Because, I, I mean, up until quite recently, it would have been kind of hard. To... Definitely an increase. I know it's all how it worked for this last year. Greta, like We've done there's definitely an increase, you know, again there should be more, you know, across the board in, in every sector, but there's, there's definitely an increase we're finding. And um, are there any, outside of the unconscious bias and questioning, are there any specific policies that you think Wimmel are, are, are implementing to address issues around diversity and inclusion? Not, not specific policies. As I said, you know, we're, we're you know, we've brought on us a new HR manager this year, and she's been fantastic working with the management team and bringing on, you know, staff and looking after recruitment. I think I would love to see, like personally for me, it's it's ramp on policies after maternity leave. Like I was lucky to come back after maternity leave to a, a four day, you know, a four day week, a nine day fortnight and worked my way up to, because you know, coming back from maternity leave, you're struggling, you're settling kids into crash policies like that. You know, having part-time roles out there as an option, having job shares, when it suits the role, the client, the project, if we can make it work, we will. That support from 
not just production, but, you know, other creative roles as well. We'll do what we can now, whereas I think in the past, not just in Windmill, but across the board, it was very much there's your working hours and you have to be tied to that. That yeah. role, that has changed a lot, I think, in recent times across across the industry in general. That especially now working with some American clients and things too, you have to be flexible with your hours. So if it suits somebody better, if they have a parent to care for, a kid to pick up from school or a crash or do a drop-off, if we can be flexible with those hours and take each case by case basis. There's no, what I like is that there's no set rule book. I don't like sort of implementing a policy and sticking to it because somebody could come along tomorrow with a different circumstance and we have to be able to react because every, every person that comes through the door is different. Every project that comes through the door, all the circumstances are different. And if we can react to that and change policies to suit things and, and move with the times, I think it puts us in a better position. So it's more about setting up a culture rather than policies, really. I hope, I hope so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And um, in terms of the industry as a whole, do you think there are, are there any things that can be done to help uh, other things outside of remote working and job sharing just to help increase access for carers and for women into the industry? I, I think it's, you know, as I said, it's the education, it's the traineeships, it's the work placement programs, it's. It's mentorships. I think it's, you know, I, th I think Screen Ireland do amazing work in their mentorships and trainee programs. There's there's a lot of the courses and, and companies out there, the guilds and things that kind of, they look after kind of, if people are finding that body of people uh, to get in touch with and, and, and look after each other. And then they are lobbying, lobbying companies and lobbying bodies to say this is, and then, then, then something becomes the norm. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of questions in. For, uh, so one of them is, um, we'll start with, the, what is the most coveted, coveted roles in post? Ooh. Like I, I think certainly the visual effects roles at the moment are the, ta the talent is coming through the colleges. They're, they're really pushing for kind of that. And, and we are taking on, you know, we've had three new trainees who came in on a, a work placement program before Christmas who've just started on contract with us. It's amazing to see the people that are training up in the industry. Like certainly when I started off, there was no post-production course. There was no producer course. Post Super UK is a fantastic site that you can get trainee courses. You can see workflows, deliveries. They are mm. great. They're a great network of people that I know there's a lot of Irish post-producers on that site. Um, I'm hoping to attend their event next week in London, hoping to get it, get organized. <laughs> so it's a, they're a fantastic forum of people, but I think there's a huge amount. Audio has a huge, it's very difficult to get into production but again, I think the advice that I would give is it's a very it's a difficult industry to get into, but it's it's being ambitious and being collaborative. You've got to be able to work as part of a team. I don't think there's I don't think there's any project that goes through Windmill Lane here that isn't a team effort. You've got to be part of a process, working with a client, with a broadcaster, with the other members of your team. So be able to work as part of a team. And then it's finding a mentor and not giving up, really kind of working hard and getting yeah. getting your feet onto the table somewhere. Yeah, I always kind of say to my nieces, not that they listen or anything, but that is <laughs> like if somebody stands in front of you and stops you, walk around them, figure out the way around them. Just don't give up. I think yeah. it's keep moving forward. Um, completely, Fiona. Yeah, because, well, yeah, I think there's it's very, it's very easy to give up. It's very easy kind of if you don't get a role somewhere or you don't get a particular, you know, we've you know we've, we've had people who've applied for roles with us and they've come back again the following year and it just mightn't have been the right time or place or they've had that bit more experience they've gone out and got you know a work placement or they've done a course 
they've got the bit of kind of learn the industry tools so you know what you're working with but it's yeah. getting experience getting the hands-on mentorship with somebody and again as I said it's not giving up it's it's getting getting the placements and getting the food under the door with the right companies thinking around it exactly yeah um I have another question here from Susan what projects budget would be too small as in would you work with filmmakers at the earlier stages of their career absolutely you know we we hugely push for that like we do a huge amount of short films I know we you know we you know we gave out prizes to kind of some of the colleges and for the women in film kind of showcase like for bet for a sound mix for a grade absolutely you know within reason in terms of our capacities and our, our our availability that we've got we've obviously got commitments to projects that are booked in with us and 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 clients and delivery dates but i think we have found that working with working on short films and working on on projects with people at the start of their career they remember you as they're coming their way up we've got you know there's directors there's producers that come in with us as juniors that are now top of their game that have you know there's people that have come through windmill all over the years that it's fantastic to see them come up but there's absolutely I don't think there's any cap to a project. There's no lower and higher end of projects in Windmill in terms of what we can do for you. You know, we can do a sound mix, you can do a grade, you know, we can, you know, lease out edit rooms, you know, just, it's it's as early in a pro- project as possible to talk to Windmill and talk to our production teams or talk to our graders, our audio staff, our VFX talent. It's what we can do for a project that can kind of go, actually, you don't need to spend that money because you can do this. Or if you do this, this might make a change to it. It's teaming up with the right person that can help answer those questions for you. So it's always, always open to talk to anybody. There's no, there's no, absolutely no cap on it or lower or higher end. It's actually, I know quite a few people who would have been runners in Windmill who are now producers. And, but I think that's probably a really nice moment as yeah. well. When you walk There's in, a huge amount of people that come through the doors of Windmill. It's really interesting to kind of see the amount of people that have come through here over the years that are now competitors, clients, suppliers. It's, it's great. It's, it's looking after the people on the way into the industry and on the way up. Yeah. And that's actually one thing about Windmill. It's always... When I walk in now, there's a lot of familiar faces in there that uh, I've known for years, for as long as I've been around. And that's quite nice. And uh, um, anyway, um, so I don't know if you're going to answer this, but I think it's a nice question. (laughs) But it kind of puts you on the spot. What was your your favorite project you've worked on? (laughs) Ooh, that's a tricky one. There's been so many over the years. It's hard to, and as I said, we've worked in so many different sectors of work. You know, as I said, My Little Pony got me some street cred at home. You know, I absolutely loved, you know what I love? I love John Butler's, I love Papi Chulo. I thought it was a gorgeous film and and it, it kind of went through most sectors of our work. It was it was a fantastic project. The Super Value Reindeer shared the magic ad last year. Kind of, that took kind of doing some creature work and visual effects and the edit on that. Like I remember getting to the end of the project and it was completely all done during COVID and remote and doing a remote presentation, it's so hard to gauge a client's reaction. And the client's reaction, you're going, is that good or bad? And they loved it. And it was just such a heartwarming commercial to work on, which in turn, you know, our US broadcasters saw that work and saw that creature work. And in turn, we're doing visual effects work based on what they saw in that reindeer. So it's amazing to kind of, I don't know, my favorite, That's too many to choose from. That's that's a few kind of high points. I love, I love Papi Chulo our reindeer and some of the work at the moment. Kin, I think, is fantastic. I, I love watching it. There's certain things you'd watch again and again. So sorry, okay. I can't pick any one thing. 
And I think you've answered this already, but maybe we'll come back. Is it, what changes do you think that Screen Ireland and the industry need to make to get even more women working in the fields? But I think we've already kind of covered kind of that. Covered it. You know, I've had a, I've had more involvement in the last 12 months probably with Screen Ireland than ever in my career. And I think they're just doing fantastic initiatives. I think Desiree and Andrew and the team in there are just they're so good at promoting the events. They're so good at promoting the work, the courses they're offering at either discounted or free prices. And it's pushing our teams to do those courses, to kind of saying yes to something where traditionally you'd have gone, I haven't got time, sorry, or I'm too busy on my job. To know that attending an event, doing a talk, jumping on a, you know, doing doing a course, being being somewhere and being part of the industry and, and building your network, which I think Screen Ireland are, are pushing so much and are doing such a fantastic job at is nothing but beneficial to the people working in windmill and in the industry in general. I don't know if you'd agree. I think completely. I think it isn't until you go outside of Ireland that you kind of see how lucky we are here. And I know it could be better, but it's the the, the thing is that at least we're we're moving forward and it takes time, I think. Head head in the right direction, at least. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have a really good question here as well. So, um, Re-entering the industry can be very difficult. Lack of past support leaves many with skills gaps and the experience gap. Are there opportunities for people in this demographic available? And Absolutely. Again, you know, the bias shouldn't come just on, you know, gender. There's age as well in this. There's yeah. people that kind of are coming back. You know, we've promoted people in Windmill in the last year, year to two years, who traditionally would have had to work longer, have had to work harder, have had to put years more into the industry than they've had to turn their stripes to move up the ladder. So I'd love to see age isn't a bias anymore for us. You could have somebody in an older age that if you're coming in with the experience, the same the same things apply. Getting back out there after parenthood at an older age, you get out there and get the mentorships, get the courses, get the experience hands-on. And it should it shouldn't make a difference, you know, what gender, what age you are to be coming in the door and trying again in this industry. I don't think it looks at kind of whether it's a 20 year old or a 60 year old kind of being able to do the same job. We've got some fantastic sort of ranges of people here in, in Windmill and in the industry in general, I would say. And I think an answer to that as well, that I think the passport to production that Screen Ireland do and the yeah. Screen Academies are doing is probably something worth looking at. And. Uh, probably maybe to engage with the crew academy and contact yeah. them but I yeah. think there are resources as well that you could use um there mm-hmm. um and then the coveted position question was basically it was what would be the best field to train and if you were looking for a job um but I think you again it's very it's very personal I think one of the yeah. advice that we found people coming in in workplace and it's going oh I really want to work in post it's like oh well when you say post, it's very broad. Like even when you get into audio, you're going, is it dialogue? Is it effects? Is it mixing? When you get into VFX, there are compositors, there's animation, there's DMP artists, there's production. The advice I'd give somebody is do your research and be quite clear about what it is you'd like to do. And once you've done that, then it's getting into the traineeships, the mentorships, the finding finding somebody to kind of you know help you in the industry. But being clear about what it is you'd like to do in a coveted position it's so broad. There's so many different skill sets within this company that make the client's project come together to what it is on screen. It's not just a, you know, it's not a one trick kind of like, that's, that's it. It's... Yeah, no, it's, yeah, I would agree. Um, I think we might've answered all of the questions. Damn. <laughs> that's a good thing. Nothing too scary. <laughs>
Um, has anyone else got any questions? Um, and actually, I just wanted to say as well, uh, just on behalf of Women in Film and Television, just like a big thank you to Women Lane as well. They've been an, an amazing sponsor this year. They sponsored the showcase event and they've come on board as a sponsor and you've kind of helped us out an, an awful lot this year. It's been a really great working with you guys. Delighted. And I think some of the short films that Women in Film have produced this year, I've seen some of them. I've seen all of them look amazing and we're delighted to continue supporting that as much as possible. So it's, thank you. And I guess actually just going back to the, one of the questions earlier, if somebody wanted to talk to you guys about a project, what's the best way to go about that? Like Again, it's, you know, our, 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 product, our production, you know, it's, it's contact myself, it's contact our team of producers. You know, I can put something out at the end of the podcast that just has the, the email addresses of our key producers. It's ring through to reception and ask for the production team. It's a production team or any of our key heads of department, you know, in colour, in audio. But our producers are the best way to kind of to start the conversation in a project. Okay. And you know, I'm, I think we might just recap as well. So um, just on advice to people coming into the industry, and I'm going to just mention some roles, you might have said it already, but let's just kind of just reiterate it again. Is there any advice that you would have for somebody who wants to get into VFX? What's the best way to go about that? Again, it's, you know, there are courses out there. It's 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 back to that, you know, get the education and, and be clear about what you want. There are so many different broad roles in VFX right now. It's knowing what you want and then getting a foot in the door. Have the education, know your tools, you know, know what you what the industry standards that you want to work with. And then getting, you know, getting it, getting the course, getting the mentorships, getting a foot in the door in the companies. You know, there are five, you know, so there's five or six key companies in Ireland that are doing VFX right now. All of them, I'm sure, are offering work placements, traineeships, mentorships, along with the colleges. And, and then kind of, you know, the world's your oyster. There's a huge amount of roles out there in that industry right now. And then I guess for colorists as well, that's a very specific area. What's what's the best way for somebody to get into that if they want again to it's you know I think one of the ways it's kind of it's short films it's demos it's doing stuff as almost like you know projects for people for up-and-coming emerging directors and 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 producers it's doing you know building your craft and having tried out something you know we use baselight here but I know other companies use different so it's it's knowing your tools doing the short films having a show reel of work building relationships with key cinematographers and DOPs out there and knowing the people that do the work, that would be the advice on that field. Like our, you know, our, our head producer on the film and TV side was originally a trainee colorist. He worked as a colorist then for years and moved into production. So there's roles that people can kind of come into and then step sideways. So it's, That's but he still has the skill set. He's got that technical mindset from being a colorist that takes into production and can talk to clients about their projects. Yeah, actually, that's a, a great point. I think that it's probably the relationship, building up relationships with DOPs is the way to go, because that's who Absolutely. I would listen to. Yeah, they, they, you know, it's not necessarily always their decision, but when they've got oh. the relationships and trust, it's it's about, I think once you trust somebody, this relationship is, this, this industry very much is about relationship building. It's about networking. It's about, but you have to have the skill, you know, behind that as well. So when you trust somebody to do the work on a project like that, so DOP might recommend one of our colorists and then yeah. you have to do the work to prove that it's good enough. Yeah. And it's actually keeping that relationship going and keeping that trust going as well, because Absolutely. it works the other way around, unfortunately, as well. Um, and then another area that actually there is very few women in it's sound mixers and sound engineering. How are we going to fix that? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're again, we're heading towards towards it. I think some of our some of our kind of competitive facilities have a few more females and there are some great um, 
freelance female staff, but we're, you know, we're heading towards it, hopefully, but it's a, it's very much a male dominated industry again. And, and so many courses out there, um, that you, you, you go in and you get your education, but it's recording demos, it's doing shorts, it's, it's getting, you know, being clear about what you want to do again, like VFX are so many different roles. Do you want to be, do you want to work in Foley? Do you want to do sound effects editing? Do you want to do dialogue editing, ADR? Do you want to mix? Is it, is it commercials? Is it animation? They're all, what I love about our team is they're not quite pigeonholed. There's people who've kind of gone, there's our animation specialist, but we've had an animated commercial. So that team has moved off that project and onto, and onto that. Our, our, our teams have been quite diverse at the same skill set. I like that it's not, it doesn't necessarily matter if it's a 30 second commercial, a feature or a 10 part drama series. The same skill sets are transferable when you're good at your craft. Yeah, that's funny. I would never have thought that the, the commercials mixing would be that much different from, from anything else. And theoretically, it shouldn't be really. It shouldn't be, but it, it you know, it, it can be. So it's, yeah. it's much faster paced. You're, you know, yeah. faster delivery times. I find that the people that work in commercials, you have to have a certain, you have a different client manner. You have to be able to work to faster deadlines and deliver it. You could have 10 people behind you in the room, all with different opinions. So yeah. you have to be able to deal with those clients and how to answer their queries and on a much quicker turnaround than you would working in film and drama. Yeah. Um, You've yeah. done both worlds, haven't you? So you know, yeah. no, it's, a, it's a different, but in one way, I think actually commercials is a good um, way to uh, build up a certain skill set for yeah. films because you're more used to dealing with feedback and 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 listening to people. An awful lot of our our, our staff go that way. An awful lot of our you know editorial audio staff. Which a lot of people have gone. If you learn your craft in commercials, you know how to deal with deadlines. You know how to deal with clients. You've got your skill set. You're then transferring it to a larger scale project. So it's quite a huge amount of our directors and producers do both worlds as well. So I like that the staff aren't pigeonholed to say. I only do this. I'm good at my craft and I'll transfer it to whatever the project is in front of me. Yeah. Um, Yara's just come on just to say thank you for stressing the importance of getting on a course or training. I'm often approached by people wanting to train with me, shadow me without having any idea what the job entails. I think it's important to say that this is a competitive field and someone interested to go deeper than just I want to try this so they should come at it in a more informed way I guess Absolutely yeah agree 100% and it is it's it's you know it's try it it's try again or try something and you could walk away going that wasn't for me I actually don't have an interest in that field but it doesn't mean give up it means move sideways take yeah. a step a different direction if you're interested in the industry there's so many different roles within it to kind of try and sort of see what your specialist field is or what you are interested in your passion lies in and I've actually had that with people who've come out on trainees and sort of mid job, sort of go, yeah, this is not for me. And that's really good to know. And I appreciate that as well, because um, yeah. horses for courses. Yeah, so I think I think a huge amount. I think there's a little bit of naivety. Yeah. The glamorous industry that you're out suddenly working. You know, we've had our head of VFX on set for the last six months. You're working long hours. You're in fields in the rain every day. You're in there's not a huge amount of glamour involved, you know, to what the what people the perception would be sometimes of this industry yeah there's great you know there's a few celebs knocking in and out of the studios constantly and it's it's great but it's 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 don't be naive to go it's an industry that you walk into and it's easy and it's glamorous it's not <laughs> you know it's it's hard work and it's can can be long hours and but you've got to be passionate and you've got to be interested and care about what we're doing at the end yeah. of the day I would feel I think so it's, a, it's about being interested being passionate you have to be passionate about this industry and it's about being a team player, I guess, as well, just working with other people. And 
wearing the right shoes as well is a big thing. Yeah, just very much so. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing worse. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You might go out. I remember my first day on a commercial wearing a particular pair of boots and, oh, Jesus Christ, I was dead by the end of today. Never yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, um, I, think, I, think, I think I put heels on in LA in March for the first time in two years between COVID <laughs> and I had a pregnancy where I was on crutches for the last two months of it. So I think I, went, I got to LA in March and stuck heels on and came back crippled at the end of the week. <laughs> no, forget it. <laughs> Wear slippers, don't work. Exactly. <laughs> um. And do you want to just, I think before we wrap up, do you want to talk about any projects that you're working on at the moment or what you've come, what's coming up next? With yeah, yeah, again, I think I've yeah, touched yeah, yeah. on most of them. I think, you know, I'm really excited about a few things coming to air. I'm really excited for people to see some other three and kin to on air. You know, the few great features I mentioned with the problem with people. I think, I don't, again, I don't think there's an air date yet. Um, Wendell and Wild, hopefully the IFTA nomination should be coming out in the coming weeks. So hopefully there's a few nods there for our projects. I think I'm really excited, you know, get back over to the States and meet our clients that we're working with again, not just on Zoom calls. But I think I'm really excited this year just to kind of see. I feel like in Windmill personally, and I think for everybody, 2022 was a real reset year. You were just coming out of COVID. People were kind of finding that balance of hybrid work and making it work to go. We're not back in the office. We're not fully remote. We've hired a lot of new staff in the last year, in the last 12 months. And a few current staff have found new roles. So I'm really excited to see 2023 just be that year where people really settle into these roles and our clients get to meet these talented staff that have come on board with us and, and really just kind of continue that kind of trajectory of, of, of bringing on and having talent working for us and, and making, making the great work and our, our lovely tagline, making great stories. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, thank you so much for taking the time today. No thank um, you for thank you and everybody for logging on, and thank you for having us, Fiona. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support Women in Film and Television Ireland, you can join us via our website wft.ie. That's wft.ie.